It's time for Watch and Learn, the show where we discuss the life lessons we learn from the movies we watch. Today, Zombieland. Hey, movie maniacs, my name is Sky, and I'm here with my brother Dusty. And Dusty, let me guess, your number one rule for surviving Zombieland is either guns, 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 or maybe it's communication. Ha! <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know what? I think communication is probably the biggest one ever. Because if you don't communicate with the people that are living, you know, if you don't, I don't know. What do you think? What's your, I would say communication, but then at the same time, the more guns, the better. I loved it when he said, God bless rednecks or something like that. You know, all that sort of, all those guns. I was like, oh, that's music to my ears. But um, what do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think guns, guns, guns is the number one rule. I mean, maybe any kind of weapon is the number one, but those guns seem most useful. Although uh, the zombies in this movie, they chase after you quick, man. As soon as they hear a gun go off, I don't know, maybe you're better off using uh, Daryl's crossbow or machete the whole time. Machete sounds good. Now, remember, I can't remember that Brad Pitt Zombieland movie. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, what was I can't remember what it was called. Z- oh, it was called um Z um Z na- Z what the World War Z <laughs> World War Z. There you go. And those guys are faster than the guys here. So it's kind of interesting to see the the difference between. I guess whatever author, director, and it really comes down to the author, you know, storytelling, if the zombies are fast or not. Now, Sky, when the actual zombie apocalypse comes, are they going to be like the walkers in The Walking Dead? Or like, you know, that's the same as Night of the Living Dead, you know, slow and brains, you know, eating those. Or is it going to be fast like World War Z or Zombieland? If it actually is an apocalypse, they have to be fast because those slow zombies, I don't know how they take over the world. Like, like really, I mean, if, if somebody's just kind of ambling down the street, even if there's a thousand of them, I don't know. It seems pretty easy to stay ahead of them, you know? Oh, absolutely. Now, here's the thought. Eventually, they just all die off. And, you know, it, it, that's, they're all gone because you're able to kill them off. They're moving really, really slow. You would think with the walkers, I would literally just carry with me um, a flamethrower you know, a portable flamethrower and just flamethrow all of them. Cause they, you know, they get close to fire and you know, that's that at least we're talking about the walkers in the walking dead. Now in this movie, the zombies are a little bit different there. It seems like they're a little more, um, thoughtful, I guess if <laughs> not thoughtful, like, like polite, but you know, they could think more and they can, they can you know, open doors how- and stuff and climb, uh, climb structures. Yeah, absolutely. So the differences between all the different zombie movies, which one would you find is your favorite um, type of zombie? Um, I would say it's probably this movie. They're not ultra crazy strong and ultra fast like World War Z, as you had mentioned, but they're more of a threat than in The Walking Dead. So this kind of semi-intelligent zombie is. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Now, I really, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Actually, Melissa watched it with me. Oh, she, she did? I would have never yeah. thought she would. Well, she was in the room oh. while I was watching <laughs> it. She was playing on her phone or reading a book on her phone or something. And in the same time of her watching it with me, you know, she'd peek up and see what's going on and stuff. But she definitely laughed when Bill Murray came out and all that whole Bill Murray scene. So she enjoyed that as well. My guess is that's your favorite scene of the movie. By far. I mean, you have Bill Murray in there and they shoot him because he's doing a practical joke. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that as well. And, you know, the first time when I was watching this in the theaters, the very first time in, back in 2009, when they drove up to a big house with the BM initials, I had no guess. Bill Murray never even crossed my mind. I was thinking, Brad Pitt? No, can't be that. Tom Cruise? No. Then who is this they're driving up to? BM, absolutely. Another, other than BM, like bowel movement came to mind when I saw that. And I was like, who is BM? And then you see the picture of Bill Murray's face when he, I think he was in stripes. It's that same type of face. You know, on the wall has a bunch of like like eight to 12 different colored images of him. But uh, yeah, I loved it. Plus you have the um, bringing back together of friends back from Kingpin. Didn't they, would they play in another movie together? Um, if they have, I cannot think of it, but Kingpin for sure. You nailed it. Yeah, definitely Kingpin. It was, they're fun, fun together. Now you see a different, uh, obviously Bill Murray playing, um, himself in Zombieland, but Bill Murray also playing, uh, oh shoot. What was his name in Kingpin? Um, McCracken. McCracken. Phil McCracken. Yeah, Phil McCracken. Yeah, playing him. You see the difference. But, you know, in this movie, Bill Murray's much more amenable, much more polite, much more, you know, just, just nice. And he's, hey, you know, you guys want something? You know, it's really, really fun to see that type of personality. And then him just trying to be funny, too, and acting like a zombie. Going and scaring people. Oh, yeah, man. And that actually leads them. It might be your Monday morning quarterback as well. Like, it's cool seeing Bill Murray pretending to be a zombie and scaring you. But seriously... Why would you scare somebody who's used to killing that thing that you're pretending to be? I, I now obviously he we know why he did it the first time because he didn't really know what was going on. But then at the same time, all you got to do is peek your head around the corner and see that they're actually human beings that are alive and not zombies and not do that. You know, it's just kind of like, oh, that's just that's just silly. You know, listen to him talk and all that stuff. Uh, but then doing it a second time, knowing that people actually try to kill, you know, they have to kill zombies before they kill them. That was just, that's just silly and hilarious at the same time. And he's sitting there dying and he's dying all dramatic like. And he's all, well, you know, is a Mr. Murray. And uh, uh, Woody Harrelson says, Mr. Murray is, it's Bill now, I think, after all this. <laughs> For sure, man. That was a great scene. Now, how, oh man, I, I don't think if I was ever that rich to own a house like that, I think I could not own something that big and uh audacious or ostentatious or just i don't know i just couldn't put my wealth on display like that Nah, neither could i now being in hollywood we also learned from once upon a time in hollywood that you have to live amongst all the other famous people in order to get the gigs and so you have to you know you have to kind of show you know play the part you know you have to keep up appearances and and act like you you really like it but no me absolutely not like I literally have plenty of money. I could go buy another house, but I live in a 1,250 square foot house and it's rather small, but we have four kids and it's because we're frugal and I don't need anything at the moment. And the prices of, of homes are astronomically high. And so I'm just like, I'll just wait until there's a correction in the market. Then I'll go out and buy something that's a little bigger. We're fine right now. It was a rental property that I owned here in Phoenix that I moved into. And so, you know, it's fine. We're, we're, it's, uh, small, but at the same time, you know, our, our stepdad, um, his family, they lived in a 950 square foot house and there were seven kids. And so, you know, it's possible, but yeah, I'm right there with you. I would not be able to, it's just not upon me to have something that gargantuan, you know, having like a, a 20 person theater in the house. I just, that's just not me. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, another thing that isn't me is ever driving a Hummer around, but I can totally understand in a zombie apocalypse, you probably want as big of a truck as you can to get away from hordes of zombies, crash into them, take them out, not worry about little, your little Nissan Sentra getting bogged down in a zombie parts, you know? Yeah, what would be better if they actually ran across uh, Truckosaurus, you know, from, <laughs> from The Simpsons? Truckosaurus! <laughs> that would definitely do it. How funny. I get you, well, you know, with uh, basically 90% of the population dead out there, Truckosaurus is available for them to go pick up at their local, uh, 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 I don't know, fairgrounds. Yeah, absolutely. Now, one thing that got me was I love when they found the guns, but it's just stupid when uh, Woody Harrelson's character or... Uh, Florida. Um, Florida was Tallahassee. In the, Tallahassee, there you go. He was literally shooting in the air just like for fun. I'm like, oh my goodness. You, I get it. It's fun. But you're going to shoot it plenty when you have zombies. Why aren't you saving? So it just seems like that is just a, a lesson. Uh, if you're going to pick a lesson really, really quickly, don't waste your ammo, especially when there's not, they're not making any more and they're hard to find. You're 100% spot on about that. That wasn't a lesson I came up with, but... Anytime you see something like that in a movie that even though the movie is a comedy and a zombie apocalypse, it could never happen in real life, even though it is all make believe and we do need to suspend our disbelief, when something's too crazy happen and too nonsensical, illogical happen, it pulls you right out of the movie. And I thought exactly what you did. Now, I don't know why he would have done that. And I see the uh, what's the other guy's name? Um, Ohio. You know, he was inside there. Columbus. Uh, just kinda, <laughs> oh, Columbus. You're remembering yeah. states and not cities. <laughs> oh, got it. Yep. So when, the, when he was just kind of sitting there letting him do it, I, I kind of figured he would be a little more paranoid saying, what are you doing? Like, you're waiting. You know, but uh, oh, well. But yeah, it did take me out of the movie. But then again, it's a zombie movie. You're not going to be in the movie the whole time. <laughs> you're going to be able to jump right back out of it pretty quickly. Yeah, true that, true that. You know, I... Uh, but what really did like suck me in, I really loved the entire intro, not only like uh, Columbus's narration of the events in his in his apartment with a 406 and learning about the zombies and making his first kill and actually his first double tap. Um, I really love that. But I also love just the entire intro scene with Metallica's for whom the bell tolls, the slow motion moving zombies and stuff, all the attacks, the crazy blood. It was just a really fun start to a movie. And as soon as I saw that, I knew I was in for a wild ride. Yeah, and that was like a four or five minute long intro. I mean, they did, they really, really made sure that you saw everything. Like, really, really fun ways that people are not fun, but like dramatic <laughs> and crazy and, and creative ways of people dying. It was pretty neat. It was neat, man. I, I enjoyed that a lot. Um, And then during that first scene when he is uh, at the gas station trying to use the bathroom and then has to run around the parking lot, I liked how they introduced all of the rules. Um, his own rules for surviving in Zombieland. And I like the on-screen visual use of text for all the different rules that made it fun and enjoyable to watch too. Especially there was, um, I think it was one of them, but it, it was like attached to the back of a van. And then as they're walking away, it falls off. You're like, oh, shoot. That wasn't like, you know, it's it's just the really, really creative the way that they, they did the editing and the, the visual effects inside of it. So, yeah, I definitely love because when you actually just say the lesson, it doesn't really I mean, it definitely grabs you. But how much more so when you say it or the person says it, just live through it. But then it's also on the screen and it's really just driving home the point that these are lessons that he lives by. 
Yeah, that's exactly what it does, man. It, it would make sense that if you want to survive in zombie land, I mean, the people that can learn lessons, learn from their mistakes, learn from the mistakes of others, they're the ones that are going to be <laughs> probably surviving through it, you know? So are you the type of person that would need to write down all these little lessons on the rules, um, write it down in order to remember them? Or are you the type of person that would, as you learn them, they're just a part of you now and you don't even have to really think. It's just you react because that's now a part of you. Uh, yes, you're right. They are a part of you, but I think I would be doing the exact same thing he is, uh, kind of like journaling my life. But in, as I'm doing that, I'm just writing down everything that comes to me and a new rule is just going to be the next in the list, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm, well, I'm definitely, no, I'm not like that. I, I would just, I wouldn't write it down. It's just a part of me. Just like what if I'm learning anything new, it just inse- or disseminates into my brain. I learn it. And then now it, as best I can, it becomes a part of me. Obviously I don't remember everything. I don't implement everything. But what's really interesting is like the human psyche, our own brain, the way it works is uh, think of like a, a sixth sense that you might have, you know, they call it like a sixth sense, but Let's just say you meet somebody brand new and you either hit it off or you don't or you get just sort of a, a sense like, you know what, I like this guy or this, this, this person I'm talking to, like we could do business together because it just feels like it's working out really well or it's a complete turnoff. Like, man, this is just not working out. There's just something like he didn't do, he or she didn't do anything wrong. It just all of a sudden, like, I just don't get a good feeling. Well, what they say is that our, like our psyche it accumulates all the past experiences together without us actually processing those thoughts. And it brings forward the gist of everything that you've learned. Like if you meet somebody and they're knocking off like 10 out of 10 of being like the bad signs, your brain is automatically telling you without you literally going through those 10 things, this is a bad sign. We need to move on. So it's really interesting. I, I, I can't remember where I learned that. I learned that from like some, uh, not like Sigmund Freud or something like, but somebody that, that studies mind. But it's really interesting to see that. Now, what he's done is he's implemented that stuff into his life, which is only way to really to live is to protect yourself. So having that, that, um, I guess, checking, you know, a balance of, of living and making sure that you check all these different rules off and everything is a really great idea. Yeah, for sure. It is. And it's, it's just good for the storytelling, uh, aspects of it too, you know, having that visual or have, having him, the fact that he made a list. And then now we, as the audience kind of, we get to imagine what are the other parts of the list? Because I think they, they might've listed like he had even up to like number 43 as a, as a as a rule but he didn't cover all of them you know so we know there's at least 43 different lessons that he's learned in his time through Zombieland, and maybe the idea is for future movies they're going to fill out that list and have all 43 or whatever lessons you know yeah they should actually put out a book so that we could all learn you know read it and actually learn those lessons yeah, absolutely I, yeah so, they should do that i would i'd pick it up for sure especially after you know if, if it's a cool thing where they en- end up having a trilogy of movies and then by the third movie you have all 43 or 50 lessons listed you could sell a book and sell millions of copies i bet you know especially if it included like cool behind the scenes type stuff in it yeah now let's say if they made a hundred different lessons or not lessons, but they call them rules in the movie. I would think if they said there's a hundred, there should be the literally the hundredth one. The last one is rules. The the, the hundredth rule is that rules were made to be broken. (laughs) I think you have to have that, that rule in there because just like when, 
he was saying, you know, don't be a hero. Well, you got to break that rule. Like, just because it's a rule doesn't mean you can't break it. But rules were made to... The only reason why anybody ever made rules is so that other people can break them. That's my opinion. Yeah, I gotcha. Well, yes, I totally agree with you there. I love that as being a, as the last rule. Um, I've always thought of rules as being other people's way to control you and to tell you what to do, having their way uh, inserted upon you. You know what I mean? But I see it, and you and I feel the exact same way. Our job as human beings and thinking people is to break the rules that other people lay down for us. I, I am 100% in agreement, and especially when you said that rules are other people's ways of trying to control you. Now, laws are different, obviously, because there's repercussions if you break those laws, but breaking the rules, there's no necessary, like, a repercussion, other than if you break the rule, you don't check in the back seat, and the guy bites you, you know, in Zombieland, then you're dead, because you didn't follow that rule, but... You know, there's repercussions. Now, when you said, you know, rules are basically other people's way of controlling you, wholeheartedly agree. And so that's why I really, well, I'll give you an example. Yesterday, I took my family, we walked through the Amazon Fulfillment Center. It's literally like, um, I don't know, like three or four acres full of just products. It was uh, massive and huge. I just, I think he said it was like, 28 football fields long. Holy it was cow. That, that huge. Yeah. So anyways, we're walking through there and they tell everybody, okay, so we want you to stand inside this, like we taped out this rectangle. Everybody needs to stand inside that. And I'm standing. I walk into it because I'm trying to teach the kids. But then little by little, I get closer and closer to the edge and a little closer to the And then I step on the line and then I step out of the line. It just, I just have to do it. Ah, ha, ha. Did the uh, tour guide call you on it? No, or did no, your they kids didn't. call you on it? They did. Yes, <laughs> my kids absolutely. Which I'm like, yes, you should follow the, the rules. But when you're older, you'll figure out which rules you should break. Mm-hmm. So I've never been inside one of those Amazon fulfillment centers. Is it a lot of uh, robots driving around collecting stuff off of shelves, or are there actual people walking around? So there are different generations of like back in 20. 20- 2000 or something like that is generation one, you know, generation two. This was a seventh generation uh, facility, which it's a lot automated, but definitely not the robots running around, which the 10th generation, those are, those definitely have robots running around. But this one was really neat. They do something that's really, really crazy. I'll quickly go into it that they do random, uh, random um, storing is what it's called. So basically, imagine 28 football fields full of shelves. And each one of the shelves has a barcode. And there's little sections, like maybe like uh, a foot long in one shelf. Anyways, the person goes by, and let's say you had 20 different bottles, bottles of like water bottles that you're going to sell. And instead of putting all box, the box of 20 into one shelf, they'll literally take out each one, scan the product, and, and find an opening in any shelf, and then scan that, and then put one there. Then move on the line and find another one that's open. And then it's called, it's basically random pe- picking and random packing or something like that. But they say it's so much faster then if you have like a uh, whole side of the warehouse is for home goods. Another whole side of the house is automotive. Then another side of the house or, you know, the, the place is this, that. And it's so much faster. And they've been doing it for however many years, you know, since 1997. But um, that was really, really cool to see. Just literally random. They just put it anywhere it goes. But because of computers and technology, it tells them what to pick and where to pick and gives them a map of, of the most efficient way to get everything. 
That is pretty sweet. And like you had said, since 1997, so they know their efficiency. Every minute, every second that they can save off of uh, packing boxes saves them money. So if this is, and it doesn't, it sounds counterintuitive, like you said, uh, if this, not if, because this is the most efficient, that's why they're doing it. And and that's pretty that's pretty interesting. You got to have a pretty robust system, though, able to track all those SKUs, I bet, though. Yes, absolutely. Well, they yeah, they have that system, but then they also have, the newer generations that actually have the robots that actually do the picking and all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, it's it's pretty amazing. But it's tough in a zombie apocalypse if you end up running across one of these Amazon fulfillment centers. Uh, you're looking for some. This is going to be really tough to find without electricity and able to run the computers to tell you where stuff is. I don't know, dude. It looked like in Zombieland, electricity was still going just fine. Yeah, I don't know how. You're right, it was huh? <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. I mean, they literally had electricity and a whole theme park could be turned on and have power, which was just rather weird. Yep, it was. But it just simplifies things and makes it more fun. You know, one less thing to really worry about, take you away from the real world and just hopefully keep you in the movie just for the fun aspects of it. Yeah, so my Monday morning quarterback, and you you thought of one, but that that's a good one, but that's not the one. The one that really got me, well, obviously Bill Murray got killed. That's just stupid. That's a who used Monday morning quarterback. But the one I thought of was why in the world would you ever want to go to a theme park just because, oh, she didn't get her youth. You know, she's, she's not young anymore. I, I don't care. Worlds change. You don't want to die. And so what they did was they went there, turned on all the crap to make noise to bring people or, you know, zombies in. But apparently they didn't realize that was going to happen. So it's just that that was like, don't don't do it. If if you're going to do anything like that, you know, uh, you know, you're going to expect have zombies running at you. So that's my Monday morning quarterback. Don't be stupid and do things that is going to get you killed. You're absolutely right. They went a little bit too far going at night as well with the lights as an additional attraction. Um, but then the sounds too, for sure. And that that actually led into my my first lesson was just simply live in the now. And yeah, you want Little Rock to enjoy and experience childhood again, but you're living in a world that won't allow it, of course. So go ahead, just like you said, have fun responsibly though, like quietly inside of a fortified building. You know, let's play some Monopoly or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. And it- when you're saying like live in the now, like right now we have the luxury because we don't have zombies in you know, a few years, we might have zombies, but right now we don't. And we have the luxury of planning, you know, 10, 20 years out, or at least doing our best to, you know, or even planning the next week out what we want to do, where we want to go, go see and all that sort of stuff. But when you're literally fighting for your life, you just literally plan for tomorrow as best you can. You can plan for, you know, the future where we should go, how we should protect ourselves but you definitely want to make sure you're living in the now because leaving Bill Murray's place, even after Bill Murray's dead, like he's not going to care anymore. You know, that's a great place. Just continue living there and, you know, until you need to move on. 100% and occasionally hit Russell Crowe's house to pick up some, <laughs> some restock that food, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> oh, you know, speaking of food, it seems like food is plentiful when they found that whole truck of Hostess uh, snowballs. Anybody sensibly in a zombie apocalypse would have packed up as much as they could. That's pretty decent food to have when times get tight, right? But it seems like um, store shelves are full of food. There's food everywhere. They're not really worried about it, which which strikes me as interesting because maybe this zombie virus sp- spreads so quickly and is so devastatingly um, uh, deadly, I guess might be the word, that everybody died within like a week span, you know? Now, do you understand why they were not, you know, they didn't have the problem? What problem? Oh, sorry. They, they didn't turn into zombies too, just like everybody else. Oh, because they didn't get bit. 
But who started it? You know, it started with one person and then it just kept going. Oh, that's one of the things I love about it, right? Movies like this, they don't try to explain what happened. Uh, Columbus at one side time said mad cow turned to mad human, turned into mad zombie. And that's all he said. We don't need to know any more than that. You know, like like with The Walking Dead, why know where the it came from? All that matters is that it hit. There are zombies now. Uh, 95% of humans died and now we're following some survivors. Yeah, just go with it is what they're saying. Just yeah, just go yep. with it. <laughs> exactly. And I, that's what I like about some of these zombie movies. Other ones that I've seen, they just try to go too deep into how it happened and why it happened, how it could possibly happen, and the virus's effect on the blood and blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. Skip that. Let's just go with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would think that... So another first lesson was don't waste your ammo. That's just stupid. Um, the second thing is... Um, going along with the Monday morning quarterback is the definitely the Monday morning quarterback. Don't even go to the park. Like there's no point in going to the park. But number two, turning on roller coasters, doing anything that that brings noise in. There was a movie. Um, the uh, I'm not even remember the name or anything, but it was basically had the guy from the office in it, and um, there was aliens that came in Earth, and they were attracted literally by sound. If you talk, they'll find you. All that to say, I learned from that, you just don't let sound actually get out. And so turning on a roller coaster is absolutely going to be crazy loud. So don't attract zombies that is going to be basically going to find you because of all the noise of being being stupid. Yep, you're right about that. And that was a quiet place you're talking about, right? Yes, that's what it was, a quiet place, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that that's a great lesson you're right about. Just don't be stupid. Don't attract attention to yourself, especially when attention could lead to your death. <laughs> wholeheartedly yep good call right there so my second lesson is um uh it was lesson number 32 in the movie and that's enjoy the little things and it's kind of easy for us in this life we forget all the little things because we're constantly worried maybe about work or money or our family or our kids or whatever the case is right if we find absolute joy in a twinkie or decapitating a zombie we've got to our, allow ourselves to do that i love that idea that's mm-hmm. great I thought you were going to say, buy as many Twinkies as you can because they're going to be gone. Oh, that well, that, that's lessons. another good one. You'll prep for the future. <laughs> exactly. So my, I think this will be my last lesson because first it was ammo. This one is, uh, last one was, you know, don't do anything that, that distracts or, you know, not distracts, but like causes attention on yourself. The last one is don't give your gun to anybody. There's no reason to give your gun to the lady to kill her sister. It's just silly. Just like, okay. I'm I'm moving on. You you're gonna do it. Get a shovel and try to cut off her head that way or something like that. I don't don't give your gun up. You give up your protection. That's not, not smart. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you right there. That was a stupid choice on their part, and they made a couple bad choices in the movie. It's pretty cool how these uh the, these two gals younger than both of them maybe not uh Wichita wasn't younger, but you know, you know what I mean. Younger, able to uh, take advantage and pull one over on the two guys twice in the movie. Yeah, and I did really, really appreciate the very, very first time. I might have been the first time or second time um, when they said, you know, it better, or the the ladies or the girls said, it's better that we trick you than you trick us. I'm like, huh? I, I, I it's you know the same uh, tit for tat. You know, somebody tricking the other, but you could see, you know, girls. You, if they were my daughters, 
I would want them to be tricking people rather than them being tricked. Not saying that's the right way to go, but if it's one or the other, then let's have it be on the side of the girls. Yep, for sure. And one of the things that goes along with that, it's not my life lesson, but you've got to protect your own, right? You you and yours first. And, and in an apocalypse, when anybody might be willing to kill you, take advantage of you, you have to do exactly like you said, take care of yourself first. Pull the trick on them before they can pull it on you. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I really liked that whole lesson. Now... What is your lesson? Uh, my last lesson, the third one, is don't prop the door open. Um, uh, remember how we, one of the rules, I can't remember the rule number, but he says always know your escape or plan your escape. Sure, plan the escape, open the door, look outside, make sure it's clear, but close that door again because as we know, zombies are sneaky ninjas sometimes and they can sneak up on you quietly. If you leave that door open, they have a way to get in at you and now your exit isn't a safe exit anymore, possibly. It's well, now the, the cause of your death, you know? Uh, yeah, exactly. Not not just that your exit's gone. You're now flanked. They're mm-hmm. coming behind you, which makes it even worse. Yep, for sure. So my idea would have been, like, open the door, take a look outside, and then clear the way. Make sure you know where the exit is. Yeah, but but just uh, cut that possible zombie death trap away. You know, cut, cut it out of the uh, of the equation. Yeah, I didn't understand that. And it didn't really add anything to you know the, the I, grabbing the box and keeping the prop and the door open here he knows the doors opens he already knows that um there's no possible benefit in my opinion there's no only downfall for actually propping the door open and then in the storyline we don't see them even needing it so all that combined it was just kind of like uh this is weird yeah it was just a way to toss in another rule i guess and visually show him following his rule yeah, I could see him, you know, open the door, peeking his head up, making sure there's no zombies there so he could see his exit. Definitely see that. But propping it open, I was like, yeah, maybe they just kind of threw that in there. Yep, yep. So oh. what did you think about, um, I can't remember this dude's name, uh, the actor, the main the main actor? Columbus, Jesse Eisenberg? Yeah, Eisenberg. What did you think about him in this acting role? Oh, I thought he's fine. I So I think he might be kind of like stuck up and full of himself in real life but i like him in just about every role role i see him in i don't i don't find his acting bad or atrocious at all i was down with him the only one i didn't like him probably you're not supposed to like him is in the dong of justice that well that's that's a horrible movie in general so that it can kind of let that slide for him you're right I, i forgot about that that was a terrible and maybe it's the director's fault telling him hey i want you to be uh lex Luthor, but go ahead and give it kind of a a riddler joker slant you know yeah, yeah, like a, a weaselly, whiny, you know, irritating person. No, I thought Lex Luthor, Luthor was, um, he was going to be smart and methodical and not like, uh, anyways. So, so I thought um, Eisenberg did well in this movie. He was likable in the movie, which was really, really good. Mm-hmm. Much more beneficial than um, a lot of his other movies, not necessarily likable, in my opinion. So I thought he did well in this. I thought all the acting was really fun, but they didn't have very many actors. Everything else was just like, um, you know, uh, stagehands. Hey, come here. Come, we're going to put some blood on you and have you run around. You yep. know, so there wasn't that much um, as far as calling in actors to be here. Now, let me ask you, how do you think from the ending of this one, we see them all, you know, driving off in the sunset and everything. You have Zombie Land 2. We, you and I do not watch trailers. We do that. We do not watch them because we don't, we, we love seeing the story just as it unfolds we don't want to have any preconceived understanding of the story or visuals or anything like that so we don't watch trailers what do you think part two is going to be like and what's going to be the plot in part two um they're going to be trying to survive the zombie apocalypse of course but i think at some point 
Um, my guess is it's going to be set one or two years down the road and maybe they've found an enclave of people to join and we're going to have other people, uh, you know, in a community, but then they're going to be hit by zombie, a wave of zombies or possibly another group of people are trying to take their stuff. And then that starts a whole new battle. I don't think it's just going to be them driving through the country, trying to outlive zombies and, and have fun cool adventures like like the first one uh they're gonna go one step beyond i think i think uh i I like that idea but i'm gonna take it a little bit in the direction that it went this time so instead of um uh, ohio no to no what was his name columbus Columbus, there you go. Instead of Columbus being smitten by a girl and everything and then, you know, always having the drop, I think it's going to be flipped now. It's going to be um, Tallahassee. He's going to be, it, that's his name, right? Yeah. Yeah, Tallahassee. He's going to be the one that's kind of smitten and he's going to be, they're going to, they're all going to be against this, you know, girl that he's going after or something like that. And it's going to be a very similar storyline and they're going to be more people. Obviously, it's going to be bigger budget and everything. Um, and so you're going to have more people in it. I do really, really hope that they're going to have some sort of cameo in there from like some big name, uh, big name person as well. But I think it's going to be a very similar to this one, but it's going to be where Tallahassee is going to be the one that's going to be you know, maybe following him. Ah, so so they're going to come across another group of survivors or maybe just one female survivor that he's going to become smitten with. I think so. Hmm. Interesting. What about um, what's going to happen the- with the little girl? Now, this uh, Abigail Breslin, I don't know how, she, how old she was at the time, but she was probably 12 or 13, just like in the movie. It's been 10 years since that one. So she's like, you know, 22, 23 now. How are they going to explain? Like, is it actually taking place 10 years in the future or is it like six months down the road and they're just not going to mention that she's older? That's a great question. Um, along with that, his sister and um, uh, what was her name? Wichita, Wichita, the older yeah. sister, so, yeah, Emma Stone, yeah, Wichita and Columbus. Obviously, they're 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 liking each other and all that sort of stuff. I think the story is going to start off with them still liking each other. You know, they're they're much more serious and yada yada, yada like everything's going well. But then something's going to happen where it's going to break them up, and they're going to be not really against each other, but like, oh, I love you, I hate you, I love you, I hate you. You know that sort of d- d- dynamic. Uh-huh. Dynamic. I was kind of thinking. Um, my brain went to space balls when he dark helmets playing with his dolls. <laughs> like, oh, I, I, yes, yes, no, yes. Yeah. Anyways, going that route. And then the end, the culmination at the very end, you know, the third act is they actually come back together. Everything is happy and better again. But thinking about the younger sister, you know, she's definitely, it's, it's many, many, she's going to be much older, but I don't know if she's going to be able to play a 14 or 15 year old being that she's like, you know, 28 now, 27, something like that. But, but we'll see. I don't know how that's going to play out, but, um, it's going to be inter interplay with all of them. Gotcha. So in the movie, they were trying to head to Columbus, Ohio, uh, and back east. And all of a sudden, they met the girls. This is the first zombie land, of course. Met the girls. Then they went west to California. Where do you think they're going to end up? What state will they end up in this one? Well, I hope they don't pull a fear of the Walking Dead and go on the ocean and be stupid that way. That's just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, they're going to go. You know, I remember um, Tallahassee mentioned something about Mexico. I'm like, oh, maybe you might go mm. down to Mexico. So you know, something like that. But I, it's definitely going to be back into um, not on ocean, but more inland. I gotcha. I kind of like the idea, though, if zombie apocalypse really did happen. I don't know about going down south to where it's warm. I'm thinking heading up north to where zombies would be slowed down, you know, in the cold winters and stuff. 
I agree. Up and up north, there's more water, there's more resources, more cover, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, like in the desert, you could see forever. You know, I, I'd rather be hidden where I, I, at least I'm hidden as best I can. Um, obviously, they'll be hidden, but um, yeah, you know, I think zombies will probably take the path of least resistance. And so, going uphill, unless something's drawing them, they're not going to hike the mountains. You know, they're not going to keep going up and up and up, but they'll go down. So that's that's my thinking of going up. I like that too. Go up north, but not in a valley. Head up, up a slope, up a mountain for sure. You're, that's a good thinking right there. Yep, yep. Cool beans. So what is your favorite scene from the movie? It's definitely by far the Bill Murray scene. I really enjoyed that. Um, that was really, really fun. Uh, especially just having Bill Bur- Bill Murray and the interaction between him and Woody Harrelson. Really, really fun. Um, and also um, Woody Harrelson getting hit in the head with the golf ball. You know, things like that. Just really cool. For sure. I enjoyed all of that. Uh, that was probably my favorite as well, but one particular scene uh, really stood out to me. And it's a bit sad, but it was also touching. And it's during the Bill Murray scene overall. But when we learned that Tallahassee actually didn't have a puppy, but instead he lost his son. And I think I really liked the scene because as a father myself, I think I'd feel this exact same way. And maybe my mission from that point forward, if I lost my family... It would be to destroy all the zombies, maybe partially for revenge, but also so that there's less other kids getting eaten and taken away from their families. I think that's, yeah, I I thought, because at first when he said, oh, it's his puppy, I was like, oh, yeah, it's his puppy. But then you realize, like, everything that he was doing in that, it just was weird. Like, who does that? I mean, there are people that do, you know, take baths with their puppies and stuff like that. But you can absolutely see he was just covering it up. So, yes, that was a really, really good scene. Ah, uh, cool, cool. Uh, let's see. Oh, what is your uh, movie prop? Is my movie prop is the toilet lid that he he oh. knocked out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That 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 was fun. I thought that would be funny, but I really liked the sawed off thirty thirty um, rifle that Tallahassee hit. The lever action, yeah, that he put in a holster. I thought that was cool. Yeah, I thought that was cool too. And I'm just going to choose Tallahassee's hat. I really like the look of the hat. I've chosen guns from so many other movies and stuff. From this one, I'll just take his hat. Not his jacket? Not the leopard skin jacket? The jacket was okay, but the hat is more, I don't know, to me, the hat would be more, slightly more iconic to me. Dude, that jacket's so your style. <laughs> I can see you rocking You can that, see dude. me in that, huh? Oh, man. Well, my birthday's coming up. I'll ask my wife for it, you know? That'll (laughs) be my gift. (laughs) Awesome. So before we end this puppy, anything else we forgot? Oh, what is your grade on this one? My grade, I give this... Um, and the reason why I give this is because it's definitely rewatchable. It's definitely fun. It's a rather short movie in general. It just feels really, really short. Not much story in general. Um, I give it a B-. I enjoyed it, and it's definitely watchable again. It's very, very fun to watch. I wasn't against doing it, but I think there was a lot of nuances that um, I think Bill Murray bumped it up from like maybe like a C to a B or a C plus to a B minus. Um, it was it's a it's a good movie. It's very enjoyable to watch. How about you? I give it an A, man. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I like the shortness of it. It gets to the action right away from the very beginning. Uh, It's kind of like nonstop pacing, you know, it just goes bam, bam, bam. Things kind of slow down a little bit when they get to Bill Murray's mansion. They're hanging out. We learn a little bit more about the characters, see their interactions and stuff. But I really enjoyed it, and it really made me look forward to uh, part two in a few weeks from now. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Good. I'm glad. All righty. Anything, any last words on this one? 
No, I think we're good to go. Sweet. So this was my choice, of course. So Dusty, what are we learning from next week? So the next movie that I want to see is I'm hesitant about it, but at the same time, I'm excited to see this. It's an origin story. It's going to be rather interesting to watch. So I want to see the Joker because it's going to be more story. It's going to be more about him and, you know, the person before he becomes a Joker. But I am also hesitant because the Joker's psycho. Like, he's literally a psycho human being. And so I'm I'm hesitant because I'm just like, I don't know if I'm going to really exit that movie feeling positive. Yeah, I gotcha. I'm, I'm looking forward to it as well. I want to see it. I've heard good things about it. I haven't seen any previews or anything, but do you know, and I didn't look into this, is it rated R or is it another PG-13 superhero movie? Oh, I didn't even look into it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Like what you had just said, the Joker is a demented, scary, crazy individual. If this is rated R, we could be in for some really dark stuff. But my guess is it's PG-13 to go along with all the other uh, DC comic stuff, you know? Well, it's actually, I just looked it up. It's actually an R rating. Holy cow! My goodness. Now, here's a question that Joaquin Phoenix got. Um he got the question, and we could talk about this then, um, you know, when we actually do the recording. But he got the question when he was being interviewed. And the question was, do you think that this will actually perpetuate further violence, further, you know, you know, people, uh, mass murders and killings and all that sort of stuff, like stabbing, stabbings being, you know, or, you know, just people being crazy. And Joaquin Phoenix said, like, he was literally, like, taken aback. And he's like, no, what? No, no. And then he gets up and leaves. And the reason why he got up and left, because he literally never thought that, which is exactly how actors are. Actors, I mean, they're clowns. I'm like, just just shut up and dance. You know, just get on stage. Just do what I want you. I'm paying you to do. Like, I'm paying you not to think. Because that's really what they, they don't think about what is going to happen with these roles. Like, people watching might actually take this to the extent of actually emulating the Joker. So... I'm very cautious about it. I'm I'm actually a little more concerned as opposed to excited, but it's going to be, it seems like it's going to be a good movie. Yeah, I'm hoping so. And that'll be an interesting question. We can both answer that one uh, on that, on that, uh, on the next podcast. Cool, bud. Awesome. Well, thank you everybody so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. You know how we feel about Zombieland from 2009. We want to hear your thoughts. So please visit the show notes page watchandlearnpodcast.com slash pod 68. Go ahead and leave us a comment right there. Alrighty then, my name was Sky. And I'm Dusty. And we will return next week with The Joker. The Joker.